Hello again and welcome to the Chris Cast. This week, Kellogg's has an announcement of some vegan beef jerky. My review will be later on on Wonder Woman Bloodlines and will help keep the wrestling tradition alive this week for Thanksgiving. First up, Josh Trank reviews his own Fantastic Four movie and it's hilarious. This comes from CinemaBlend.com. They do have the actual transcript of his review on the article. I'm not going to read it though because we're going to try and keep this show somewhat PG. The article says, Fantastic Four director Josh Trank should give himself an extra star for self-awareness and self-deprecating humor. I don't really know why he chose this moment to review his much maligned 2015 Fox Marvel movie on Letterboxd, but not only did he do that, he tweeted out a link to it, then made it his pin tweet, as a statement to the world. Josh Trank gave his Fantastic Four movie two stars, which is one more than most critics. Fantastic Four has a 9% rating on Rotten Tomatoes from 254 critics and an 18% audience score from 137,571 users. The whole review is spot on. If Fantastic Four had been as fun to watch as the director's review is to read, there wouldn't be a problem. And then it goes on to give you the portion of the, the article. Now, like I said in the article, there is a link to Letterboxd with the review in it. And you can find that on Twitter at Joshua Trank. At J-O-S-H-U-A-T-R-A-N-K. So if you'd like to hear his review... Keep in mind, it is not clean. There's a lot of F-bombs in it. But it's there for you to listen to if you desire. Next up, I'm sure many of you have already heard this story. But from International Business Times, Daughter calls 911 and orders pizza to alert dispatcher about domestic violence. This was a clever way to try and get the message across. And it took some doing, but she actually did get through. The article reads, A victim's daughter used an innovative approach to help nab the abuser who was harassing her mom by dialing 911 and ordering a pizza, unbeknownst to the accused. 56-year-old Simon Lopez, who was her mother's boyfriend, arrived at the family's apartment in Oregon, Ohio, after which the mother and her boyfriend began arguing. Lopez was screaming at the mother and allegedly punched her in the arm. The 38-year-old daughter, seeing her mother get hit, decided to call for help, but she wanted to keep the abuser in the dark so that he won't get away before the police got there. That's how she came up with the tactic to call for help under the pretense of ordering a pizza, and it worked brilliantly. Oregon dispatcher Tim Tanek, who had received the call, initially thought it was a wrong number, but caught on later when the daughter persisted. You called 911 to order a pizza? Tanek can be heard saying can be heard asking in a recording of the call which was obtained by WTVG. Uh, yeah, the daughter said. This is the wrong number to call for a pizza, the dispatcher replied. The daughter then told the di that the dispatch... Boy, I'm, I apologize for the way this article is written. The daughter then told that the dispatcher that he was not getting what she was trying to say. No, 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 you are not understanding, she told him. Tanette caught on with her at the moment and inquires if there was any medical assistance that was needed to, which she replied no. 
In the recording, the dispatcher can be heard advising the police to approach the house, turning out the lights and siren. Officers arrived at the apartment and arrested Lopez. Tenek said that in his 14 years of service, he had never received a call like this, reaffirming the importance of listening to the call in his line of work. You see it on Facebook, but it's not something that anybody has ever trained for. We're just trained to listen, Tenek told 13ABC. Other dispatchers that I've talked to would not have picked up on this. They've told me they wouldn't have picked up on this. Oregon Chief of Police Michael Navarre said it was the first time he heard someone ordering a pizza to point out domestic violence. Coming with a code to alert the dispatcher was the right thing to do, according to him. He also praised the dispatcher for his response. He handled the call beautifully and it had a happy ending, Navarre said. So keep that in mind if you're in a place where you can make a call but you can't alert what the call is about, try and come up with some other reason when you call 911 and try and get it across to them. Next up this week, this from uh, NBC4, NBCNewYork.com. First Marvel Comics issue sales in Texas for a record $1.26 million. The article reads, A rare near-mint condition copy of the first Marvel Comics comic book has sold at auction in Dallas for $1.26 million. The sale set a, rec a world record for the most expensive Marvel comic ever sold at public auction. Heritage Auctions says the Marvel Comics number 1 from 1939 sold Thursday. Heritage says the buyer wished to remain anonymous. This is a historic copy of a historic comic book, said Ed Jaster, Senior Vice President at Heritage Auctions. Without question, this is the granddaddy of all Marvel comics, without which we would not have the characters and stories we enjoy in today's comics and feature films. The issue features the first appearances of, such, of characters such as the Human Torch, Kazar, Angel, and the Submariner. Heritage says the comic book was first purchased at a newsstand by a Uniontown, Pennsylvania mail carrier who made a practice of buying the first issue of comic books and magazines. Jaster says that since then, the issue has only changed owners a handful of times. We all know there's always the possibility of a lot of money coming from some of the comic books we have. A number one of something as big as Marvel Comics, it's going to fetch a lot more than others though. But if you have any number ones in your collection, keep it in mind. It might be worth a good penny. Next up, We'll talk about some wrestling. This coming from comicbook.com. Steve Austin gives his thoughts on AEW versus WWE. Quote, without competition, who knows what would have happened in my career? Who knows what will come out of Wednesday nights, but I believe in competition, Austin said. I know AEW is doing their thing, and they say they're not competition, and WWE might say it's not competition, but if it's on across from each other, it's competition. I remember when WCW's Nitro kicked our butt for two years in the Monday Night Wars. I couldn't believe it. I thought our show was better, but they kept winning. Finally, we started turning the tide when everybody got so hot. The fact that we had competition, man, that made everybody push the envelope. I certainly wasn't afraid to push the envelope, and I did. I'm thankful for the Monday Night Wars. They helped define me. They helped Vince, and it helped us go out on a limb with some of the crazy stuff we did in our feud that became water cooler talk and transcend the business. Absolutely no doubt 
about the need for competition. WWE has seriously needed competition for about the last 15 years. They've had no real competitor. The fact that AEW is going head-to-head -head with NXT, the startup of the WWE, the development program, is a good start. Still not where we need to be to make WWE get better, but hopefully AEW can actually push some ground and make some better decisions from the WWE. Time will tell. But if you recall, Thanksgiving is a wrestling tradition here in the South, so I thought, why not put that article in here? Moving on from one Thanksgiving story to another, MeTV tells the story of the WKRP in Cincinnati Thanksgiving episode. The Thanksgiving episode of WKRP in Cincinnati was based on a real turkey giveaway that went horribly wrong. The article reads, Many of the antics that viewers enjoyed on WKRP in Cincinnati were inspired by real events. In the seventh episode of the series, Turkeys Away, the Mr. Carlson conjures up an attention-grabbing Thanksgiving promotion. With the help of Herman Les, he puts a spin on the classic tur turkey giveaway and makes the holiday one that won't be forgotten for decades to come. WKRP will drop 20 live turkeys from a helicopter. An idea this original is hard to make up, and creator and co-writer Hugh Wilson insists that he didn't have to. According to Wilson, this too happened in real life. In an interview with the Archive of American Television, he explained, Jerry Bloom, who was the general manager of WQXI in Atlanta, told me that they had been fired from a Texas station for throwing turkeys out of a helicopter. I said to Jerry, you just won me an Emmy. That's real funny. Wilson's longtime friend Clark Brown collaborates his story, fanning the flames of this wild holiday tale. In an interview with CBR.com, Brown said, The turkey drop was actually a real incident. It was at a shopping center in Atlanta. I think it was Broadview Plaza, which no longer exists. It was a Thanksgiving promotion. The intention was to share a little holiday cheer with the fans of the station, but there wasn't much consideration given to the actual logistics of having livestock on hand. We thought that we could throw these these live turkeys out into the crowd for their Thanksgiving dinners, Brown admitted. All of us, naive and uneducated, thought that turkeys could fly. Of course, they just went splat. Despite, the insist despite this insistence that the story indeed true, it has been under scrutiny for years. Jerry Bloom's son, Gary Bloom, claims that much of the tale has been dressed up, forgive the wordplay. He told CBR.com, Contrary to growing folklore and mythical embellishment, the actual turkey drop never took place in Atlanta or at WQXI. It was years earlier in the 60s when Jerry was at a station in Dallas, Texas called K-Box. Fair enough, the time and place may be in question, but the big question is, was there a helicopter? No, Gary said, there was no helicopter. For the radio promotion, they did attempt to throw live turkeys out of the back of a pickup truck in a shopping center parking lot, and yes, it was a mess. Whichever version of the story is closest to the truth, one thing is certain. No one can hear the phrase, Oh, the humanity, without imagining Les Nessman watching horrified as his bumbling boss pushes flightless birds into a waiting crowd. Maybe the fictional version told in this legendary episode is the one that matters most. Well, the fictional one is the one that I'd prefer to go with where no actual turkeys are harmed. So if you... 
get if you listen to this in time, I'm sure you'll be able to see WKRP in Cincinnati's Thanksgiving episode on Thanksgiving Day on MeTV. And since we're on the subject of Thanksgiving, that brings up food. My final article this week comes from Delish.com. Kellogg's announced vegan beef jerky and it truly has the best name. It actually sounds amazing. The article reads... Beef jerky, the snack of both dads and jocks, may typically be a carnivore Starting over. Beef jerky, the snack of both dads and jocks, may typically be a carnivore's dream, but one product has recently given it a seriously trendy and kind of of head-scratching plant-based makeover. A new vegan snack called leaf jerky has recently been making the rounds, and it may make you rethink your typical road trip snack. The product was created by Amy Schuldice, who pitched the idea to Kellogg's, according to the brand's site. The idea of a vegan jerky may be off-putting to some. Jerky is like THE meat lover snack. But Amy said she wanted to create a portable vegan snack that even her husband who loves meat would enjoy. The brand's site currently advertises just one flavor, cracked pepper and herb, but its social media accounts also show a Korean barbecue flavor as well. If you're health and or environmentally conscious, You'll probably love this product. It's plant-based, vegan, and sustainably farmed with 11 grams of protein with only 80 calories. It's also made up of recyclable packaging. My biggest concern was also addressed because, despite its name, the stuff, it's, the stuff is not actually made of leaves. It's mostly made up of soy, according to its ingredients list. The jerky is only largely available at trade shows for now, but will be launching in test markets later this year and will become more widely available in 2020, according to Veg News. So far, it doesn't appear that too many people have been able to try it, but the hype online has been real. And at least one person has pointed out with the launch of Incognito, Kellogg's plant-based burger, whoever is doing the naming over at Kellogg's is a true pun master. So, yet again, another plant-based alternative coming for the vegetarians and vegans. It's only taken... I've been a vegetarian for 26 years, and it's only taken that long for it to actually kick in. But that's it for the news this week. Stay tuned, and I will have my review of the animated feature Wonder Woman Bloodlines. It's time for my review of the 2019 animated feature Wonder Woman Bloodlines that came direct to DVD, Blu-ray, and digital. First off, the voice cast. You have Rosario Dawson in the title role of Wonder Woman. Jeffrey Donovan is Steve Trevor. And I apologize for the pronunciation of this name. Marie Avgaropoulos playing Silver Swan and Vanessa Capitellis. Kimberly Brooks as the Cheetah and Giganta. Michael Dorn as Ferdinand, another name I apologize for if I mistakenly pronounce it. Mojan Marneau, Dr. Cyber. Adrian C. Moore was Etta Candy. Cree Summer was Hippolyta. Courtney Taylor as Dr. Poison. Nia Vardalos as Julia Capitellis. And Constant Zimmer as Veronica Kale. This movie introduced a lot of the mythology of Wonder Woman that has a lot of it has never been seen before. It introduces Ferdinand, 
the Invisible Jet with a whole new take on the Invisible Jet, Villainy Inc., and the Purple Healing Ray. It introduces many of her rogues galleries, some of the biggest rogues that Wonder Woman has. Dr. Poison, Giganta, Dr. Cyber, the Silver Swan, Veronica Kale, and the Cheetah. This story is, an, I would say it's a definite blend of stories from the New 52 and Rebirth, and the costume actually reflects that. She starts off in the costume from Rebirth when she leaves Paradise Island, well, Themyscira, as it is now known. When she comes to the New World, she changes into the New 52 costume. Towards the end of the movie, she once again adapts her original Rebirth look costume. Um, the movie starts off, Parademons attack Steve as he's on a flight mission. He crashes onto Themyscira. And this is the main problem I have with this movie. It's the same thing they did in the Wonder Woman feature film. She does not win the mantle of Wonder Woman. She takes it and leaves the island. Yes, that is what they've reworked the story somewhat in the comics. But... I still prefer the contest where her mother does not allow her to participate. She comes back masked. And as far as the contest goes, I have to say Wonder Woman with Linda Carter absolutely nailed it. I believe I've talked about it on here before. The, the contest that Diana enters, everybody is masked. And... Diana is not only masked, but she wears a wig in the TV series. It's a lot harder to believe that one masked Amazon is not known on the island as opposed to every Amazon being masked. So I, I very much enjoyed that take of the Wonder Woman TV series for the contest. But... They decided to go with the route where she takes the lasso, she takes the costume, and she tries to get out with Steve. She ends up battling her mother, and she cannot go back to Themyscira afterwards. Well, then comes the title credits, and we go to the exterior of Julia Capitella's home. And what struck me was it was a townhome that looks very much like it was modeled after the townhome that Diana lived in in the Wonder Woman TV series when it went to CBS and was set in the modern day of the 70s. And if you don't know that, then maybe you know Murphy Brown because Murphy Brown lived in that same townhome on her show. The exterior was exactly the same for Diana as it was for Murphy Brown. There is a customary mid credit scene as it seems with the animated features from DC. There is no scene after the credits roll. So if you're wanting to watch all of the film, 
at least sit through to the first credit scene. After that, it's just credits. IMDb lists this movie with a 5.8 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes lists it at an 88%. 5.8 out of 10 is very unfair for this movie. As a huge Wonder Woman fan who insists that they get the character right, the only thing they got wrong in my eyes was the contest wasn't there. Diana just took the mantle of Wonder Woman and ran with it. I think the 88% from Rotten Tomatoes is about as good as it gets. So I would agree with Rotten Tomatoes on this one. If you have not seen it, you can currently rent or buy on digital. You can purchase the DVD or Blu-ray and the Blu-ray comes with a digital copy. Of course, being that I'm recording this on Thanksgiving, many places are having a sale this week for many of the Blu-rays, and you can get them for a steal. If you don't want to pay for it, and you have the DC Universe, 90 days after it was released, on October 5th, it shall come to the DC Universe, or at least that's the plan. So... That would make it about January 5th, roughly. So somewhere in the 1st of January. That's counting the 90 days. Could be January 4th, could be January 6th. Somewhere in that vicinity should be Wonder Woman Bloodlines appearing on the DC Universe. I definitely suggest watching it. If you're a comic book fan, if you're a Wonder Woman fan, it is a very good movie. I'm looking at the calendar here. It looks like January 7th would probably be the date that it would come to the DC Universe if they're going to stick with the 90-day rule because it is the first Tuesday after the 4th. But give this movie a shot. You might enjoy it. You will find that animation is not always for kids. And adults can very much enjoy it. Sometimes they can do more with animation than they ever could with the live action. So that's another thing to keep in mind. But I hope you watch it. I hope you enjoy it. And I hope you enjoyed this podcast this week. Till next week, have a happy Thanksgiving, everybody. And I'll talk to you then.